Hi, welcome to Season 2 of the Silverline Podcast, an audio version of our video streams that we hold weekly. They're edited a little bit to make them a little more concise. My name is Roland Mann. I'm the head honcho at Silverline, and we have a great time making fun comics that we think that you'll enjoy. So thank you for listening, and maybe go check out some of our comics if you haven't already. This episode is titled, Silverline Strong, Indies vs. the Big Two. It originally aired February 16th, 2022. Greetings, Silverliners, and welcome to another wonderful adventure into the world of Wednesday Wham. We've got a full house tonight, it seems. Uh, we're joined by Barbara Kalberg, the Empress of the Inks, Rob Davis, uh, also known as the Paragon of Pencils, the Superior Skeptic. Aaron Humphreys, Wizards of the Wizard of Words. Humphreys, indeed. Humphreys. The one of the Wizards of Wordplay, Rory Boyle. His colleague uh, Scott Wakefield is absent this evening, but will be back next week. And there's rumor of a possible visit from the word bomber himself, John Medic the Third. So you just never know uh, who's going to show up. Before I get started, I want to thank our sponsor the Daytona Beach Comic Convention, and also one of our uh, biggest supporters, Kablam Printing, for uh, being there for us and making our stuff look great. As always, uh, how's everybody doing tonight? Everybody ready to talk about all this cool stuff? Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, let's do this. Uh, (laughs) Tonight's subject is titled Silverline Strong, and we're going to be discussing... Uh, why our titles stand out from the standard fare offered by the big two, whether it's that we don't have superheroes per se, as as Aaron might uh, say, uh, or whether it's our <laughs> art style or our writing style or content or combination of those elements, uh, and why fans might choose uh, and should very well choose a silver line title over the big two. Um and maybe later on, if we, if we do have time, we always like to touch on pop culture. Maybe we'll compare Marvel movies and DC movies and see how much ire we can uh, rise up <laughs> in the room. But uh, let's, uh, let's get started here. I think, I think it's only fair we, we begin with, uh, with uh, Barb Kelberg uh, because of the award-winning uh, book that she does, Divinity. And uh, let her give us a little insight into why she thinks divinity is something that uh is is a little bit above the the standard offerings of uh the big two barb tell us about uh in in terms of you know a brief description again for some who may not know what the story is about but then a little more depth into what makes divinity special what makes it stand out uh, from the standard fare offered by the big two these days. Well, Divinity is the story of an 11-year-old girl who uh, loses her parents under mysterious circumstances. Uh, her much older brother, 26-year-old Zachary, Zachariah, um, <clears throat> comes home from the Marines to take care of her. And in, in, in investigating the death of his uh, father and, and stepmother, he discovers that it was actually murder. And he begins to wonder why somebody would murder his parents. And uh, along the way, he discovers that his uh, young half-sister 
has uh, a mysterious healing ability and it suddenly clicks that uh, people want to get their hands on her. I mean, who wouldn't want to get their hands on her? There's, I can think of dozens of different groups and, and uh, organizations that would like to get their hands on somebody who can heal. So yeah. they end up falling into trouble and going on the run. Uh, what makes it different from Marvel and DC? Mm-hmm. Um, well, she's the only one with powers, for one thing. And usually okay. Marvel and DC, not always. I mean, DC did have have a, you know a, a bunch of books that weren't focused on uh, superpowers. But they usually had uh, a very strange twist to them. I think what sets divinity apart is that I try to keep it as much in the real world as possible, because I mean, let's face it, the real world is scary enough as it is. We've got plenty of villains <laughs> of our own without yeah, having sure. super villains. Um, yeah. I try to keep it relatable mm-hmm. um, to the common man or woman. And um, I, I throw a bit of a soap opera in it. So it, I, I think it falls more along the lines of, say, a procedural on TV. You get you get to know the characters. They have personal lives, but you always have some action going on every episode, right? Say nine one one. You know the the nine one one franchise. You've got the personal uh, uh, backgrounds of the characters going around on and and their own trials and tribulations. But every episode, you've got excitement and drama mm-hmm. and danger and stuff. And that's kind of the reason, the, the thinking that I was going with when I developed Divinity is I wanted to have more of a procedural type of feel to it. <clears throat> definitely, I think, not something that DC and Marvel follow act very well. I mean, I they do to a certain extent, the issue to issue to issue, but it mm-hmm. seems like they're always trying to outdo. Every issue has to be more dramatic than the last, and they're running out of ideas. <laughs> I mean, I mean, is it times, fair? How many times can it, we blow up the world? I mean, yeah, it's, it's, I was going to say, is it fair to say that uh, two two of the elements outside of what you've already described? Um, the first would be the world doesn't necessarily hang in the balance in no. your story, and the second is there seems to be a strong representation of family bond mm-hmm. and family yeah. risk. Yeah. Um, and that's not always, I'm not going to, you know, make a sweeping statement and broad statement and say that Marvel and DC doesn't do that because they do, but it just seems that this particular title divinity focuses a lot on the family dynamic and that, that gives it a warmth. Does that, is that fair to say? I think so. I, I do think that, you know, we, we do have a lack I think the closest independent comic I could come to that that focused hugely on relationships was Strangers in Paradise. Um, that one yeah. was completely yeah. focused on relationships. Yeah, and I yeah. found it fascinating. It was kind of a um, kind of a benchmark for me that mm-hmm. I like to follow. It was soap opera, but. There was yeah. always an element of danger. There was this this criminal organization in it that always gave it a dangerous flair, and that that was very mm-hmm. appealing to me. Yeah, yeah. Well, it feels it does have a, a, your immediate empathy with the main character, but also 
with Zach and also with the connection of a family on the run mm-hmm. and they're highly outgunned and outnumbered yes. by a, a nefarious group. And so you're immediately on their side. You understand the risk very quickly. There's not a lot of complexity and layered uh, intrigue at the beginning to confuse you. It's like it's it's straight up. She's sought after by bad guys. They're willing to kill anybody around her. They're on the run. This is really dangerous. You know, are they going to make it? And kind of I also kind of throw in the um, the concept of found family in it as well yeah. because we bring Olivia in and she's not related. Right. But she kind of takes over a motherly role for divinity um, and a sister, mother, older sister role, probably. But she's also part, comes enmeshed in this. And they have, they kind of uh, form their own nucleus. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So it doesn't, it, it, it makes you feel like you can be included. You know, it doesn't just focus on blood relationship. Right. And it also doesn't just focus on what I like to call fireworks. It's right. not just a fireworks show. There's right. there's depth to the characters. Um, for the mechanical side of things, um, what about the creative team? Has there been some changes and are you excited about them? Alex uh, has my amazing penciler. I just can't say enough good things about him. He will be stepping away after issue three. We're halfway through it okay. um, uh, to focus on... Uh, his professional life and I will be bringing on a new team and I'm not prepared to tell you who that is at the moment, but (laughs) they have been along. They've been around for a very long time. Oh, Um, Oh, this is intriguing. Nice, nice tease. Nice tease. I like it. I like it. The only tease I will give you that is that there might, they've mainly worked for Archie. Oh, Okay. All right. Well, that's, that's even better. So one last oh, thing. Interesting. One last thing before we move on. If there are fans who are reading similar books uh, from other publishers, if you were to compare it to anything that's out there that might be familiar to people, like if you like this, you'll like do you have any uh, anything to compare it to? I haven't read a lot of outside books lately, so I yeah. might need some help on this. Okay. Okay. Maybe fans yeah. will, will chime in on that. So uh, that'd be interesting. So, okay, uh, let's move on to Aaron, the, the superior skeptic. Talk the superior, to us, man. The, the superior talk skeptic. Uh, <laughs> about what, what book do you want me to talk about? Well, well I, know, I know that because of your prolific nature of creating, you, you just do so many books. But let's talk about whichever one you think – you want to promote right now what are you what are you most excited about and tell us why it stands out from the the standard offerings of the big two and uh why people should check it out uh well i, I guess my golly is to be the one that i'm fin- i'm actually working on the last cover right now about three okay quarters of the way through that by the way what on webtoons i said, you, I'm, about, said I'm about three quarters of the way through reading that on webtoons by the way oh thank you i hope you enjoy it i it's, am enjoying it, it. it it's all done so um, oh, cool. that, what okay. what sets it apart was well one I talked pretty heavily about philosophy in some of it. Uh, my well. minor was philosophy in college, mm-hmm. um, so I hope I break it down. I, I had enough people respond to some of the philosophical um, 
portions in the book that I didn't confuse them. So I'm like, okay, okay, okay. So um, there's a heavy emphasis on free will. Free will, yes, that's my favorite mm-hmm. argument: free will versus determinism. That's the main mm-hmm. argument in the book. Yes, and she picked that up. That that's correct. Um, so as far as I, you know. It was sets it apart as it's fantasy. I, you know, it's fantasy and sci-fi, mm-hmm. which I would say Marvel and DC do sci-fi, but rarely do they do fantasy. Rarely, mm-hmm. rarely, rarely. Mm-hmm. It's a kind of a mix. Like the Final Fantasy games, if you ever played, those are very much fantasy and sci-fi mixed. Mine's mm-hmm. like that to a degree. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a character study. Uh, uh-huh. You know, the main character, uh, Boomer. Um, there's a lot of themes running through the book, and, and the more I write it, the more I just kind of dump all the themes together. Dump them in the mixer. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, the mind. main theme that came out besides the philosophy is the theme of loss and mm-hmm. and yeah. uh, mm-hmm. coming That's to cool. terms with that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which is something I've dealt with in my life, so that's where that comes from. So I think the fact that it's more of a character study is a little uh-huh. different than the Marvel DC. Uh, my main character is not a hero per se. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, they're they're not heroes. That's not the point. Um, so there is. A they're also of, not human. They're not human. No, human. no. I completely just and I, I think I left the human side. I don't like to tell stories about earth and humans that much because i just like to draw weird stuff and i feel it limits me also <laughs> you know what it reminds me of a little bit i just want to interject here yeah, yeah. and this is this certainly a compliment because we're going to touch on this creator in a, in a future pop mm-hmm. culture discussion but uh your your designs your characters a lot they're they're very much alive and they remind me of ralph bakshi's characters huh. a lot yeah, I- Okay. You know what the I mean? Guy, the guy who Are did, you like, familiar with that? Ralph Bocci. That uh, I know uh, Chris Bocci, Ralph Bocci. Was he the guy that did Pogo? No, Ralph Bocci did no. the animated Lord of the Rings, but before that he did oh. a movie called Wizards. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You yeah, should yeah. check out the you art of Wizards. Somewhere. Yeah. yeah, it it re- you should watch clips of it on YouTube uh, because the the caricature of your characters and the sort of the, the reality of the world that's completely unreal, if that makes yeah. sense, uh, is there in your storytelling as well. It's like it's completely disconnected from our reality, and yet it doesn't take very long for the reader to be immersed, and you're in their world, and boom, you're with them, and you're going. And uh, yeah. it does remind me of, of Bakshi's world. Bakshi's. I, you know, it's funny. I've never seen – I think bits and pieces of Wizards. My favorite of his is Fire and Ice, and that was – okay. That was uh, one I watched the most. And then I didn't mind Cool World, but yeah, I mean, Ralph Bakshi. um, uh, I just do your caricature. Yeah, I liked it. The thing, you know, the funny thing is, I think somebody gave me a DVD of Wizards I still have, and I don't think I ever watched it, so I should just pop it in. It's been sitting on my shelf. You should. should. Yeah, I should just pop it. I'm horrible. I bought Battle Angel Alita. On Blu-ray mm-hmm. with the cast, they'll never watch it on Blu-ray. <laughs> I'm, I'm horrible. I'll buy stuff on Blu-ray and just never watch. I don't know why. I'm sure. buying it. I don't know. It'll know strike you one night. You'll be like, ah, one night. I, oh, I forgot I bought this. I did the same thing with Blade Runner 2099. I saw him both in theaters. Bought it on Blu-ray. You're gonna watch this. Haven't watched it yet. Mm-hmm. I've just said mm-hmm. there. Okay. It's just um, one of those things. So okay, so okay. Depth of subject, depth of content, unique caricature of the visuals. Yeah. Um, and an, an immersive world. Um, what would you say if, if someone was curious about it and they were fans of 
fill in the blank. This and this. Mm -hmm. I think, strangely enough, there's two. One, I almost kind of think bone in a way. Okay. A little bit of literature Mm -hmm. Uh and stuff in the fantasy. I can see that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, A little bit. If they like certain types of stories, like again, Neon Genesis Evangelion might be a little bit. I got a lot of inspiration from that series. My friend watched that series, and after he watched. I think he watched all of it. He was like, yeah, okay, I see the influence in your book. But it's very subtle. It doesn't look the same, but there's a lot of of themes and stuff I talk about a little bit between the two. Um, Those would be the two. Yeah, I just draw characters that look unreal. I I think the reason I stay out of the human drawing stuff about human beings is I just want to stay out of politics. I know that sounds stupid, but I want to be able to explore politics and other ideas without connecting them to human ideas, like you know, like Star Trek or Star Wars. We explore. Yeah, I understand. You know, sure, it, it is, but, sure, but not tie them to real world and stuff. So you want to do the bigger it. issues rather than the, the than the grit, nitty gritty than the that we're dealing world. with on a day. Yeah, right. Like more about macro. The bigger issues. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, more yeah. Macro that makes sense. So that yeah, makes a that's lot of sense. Stuff. Yeah. So, no, I like that. Yeah, I just it's very cool. Draw aliens, and I just think they look cool. I don't know. I mean, no, I they do look been, cool. Been amazed that uh, so many people, when they draw comics, kind of draw this. I mean, they're influenced draw the same thing. But even my friend is like, he, he draws biospec, which is speculative biology, basically mm-hmm. aliens, but based on actual biological evolution and stuff. And he draws mm-hmm. all sorts mm-hmm. of interesting stuff. And we're always amazed that you literally have a blank piece of paper and you can draw anything you want, and you get like <laughs> the same green alien or the same hero. I mean, I'm just like, <laughs> I, yeah, I'm always yeah. like. You know, you can draw. I mean, because if you want to see imagination, go hang out at a kids' classroom. Yeah, a kids' yeah. classroom. Oh yeah. my! Some of the that imagination is like, wow! It's just like I quit, man. And this that's <laughs> hilarious. I mean, I just yeah. Uh, so okay, and and people, teacher, yeah. Oh yeah, that, you see a lot yeah. of good creative stuff. Yeah. So oh, the bet. other thing is, we we've talked about this before too, and and of all the creators in the room. Really, you're the closest to like Todd McFarlane's philosophy when he started Spawn, which was if it looks cool, do it. And uh, I really like I like that that freedom, that complete creative freedom of you're not calculating anything when you design these characters. You're literally think, or I assume this. Yeah, you're literally thinking if this looks cool, I'm going to use it. Is that fair? That's pretty much, and the and the new the new series I have planned, which would be much much shorter, three or four issues. Uh, mm-hmm. That character is going to be a trip. He, <laughs> it's, I'll I'll explain the character. You guys can, you guys okay. can steal him or whatever. He's a small boy. I would say fifteen or sixteen. Uh-huh. Um, he is missing his arms. Okay. From down, they okay. get torn off in the story. He replaces them. Uh, with these basically hooks on chains, almost like Hellraiser. I was hoping you weren't going to say scissors. Oh, wow. Wow. No, <laughs> no, no And so there's, no there's, and then it's kind of like he kind of goes on a quest to save somebody. But I, I've always liked to draw characters that have, they could have power, but there's a disability. This is what I always like so much in the X-Men, like Rogue, because like Superman, but you can't touch anyone. I always loved that idea, that dichotomy. So I was like, well, what if this guy really can't? I mean, he can he can function. He's got like I mean, people have prosthetic hooks and stuff all the day. But what mm-hmm. if this kid mm-hmm. had? I mean, if you had hooks on chains, you could 
tear the crap out of somebody. I mean, you could do some uh-huh. damage, but you may not be it's able like to tell. Yeah, you may not be able to tell. It's a kind of, yeah. So, and I'm drawing some a little bit of horror stuff or whatever Halloween horror stuff. So it's perfect. Oh, I basically have the story in my mind, but this is a balls to the wall action story. So totally different than what I did. Very cool. And, and Very I. Cool. I want to do the art myself because I want to attempt to color it the way I usually not so much like the shadows on light. So I'm going to go my full coloring route, which means it's going to take longer. That's why it's shorter. Okay. So yeah, yeah. Okay. and no title for the story yet, but thank you. But then another character, I when you say I do what's cool, yeah, I I don't know, I draw all sorts of weird. I like asymmetrical stuff. I like very weird character designs. I always think those are fun. Um, That's very very nice. Yeah. I like that. Uh, okay, so as we close out of, of this particular part of the show, what about where can people find it? T- tell us, promote it, webtoons. You can you can find it on webtoons right now. Um, okay, I'm posting it there. Um, you can find all the issues up to ten on my store, which I think okay. it may be. It's Humphrey's Illustration at BigCartel.com. Um, okay, okay, they do that. Um, I think that's what it is, and you can and I'll have the last two issues in there soon when I get it printed and then I got to put it together in the book um, I eventually will have it at some local comic shops around here I hope so I'll, I'll announce that when it's ready um, but the best ways to Good order deal. it from me I do I, the one thing about the individual issues I'm not reprinting the covers ever so if you like the covers get them on the individual issues because once they're gone they're gone I'm not reprinting oh nice so, good pitch yeah. Good pitch, everybody. Godlings by the superior skeptic Aaron Humphreys. I am, and we I just am. we you are the superior skeptic. Yeah. <laughs> it's a good hey, it's you know, we've all got titles, right? I'm yeah. sure I've got a lot that I wouldn't want to share. So speaking of titles that we don't want to share, hey, it's the it's the mad word bomber right there. There he yeah, is, the benevolent overlord. overlord himself. Hey <laughs> everybody, yeah. what's up? How are you, John? Uh, oh, I'm ecstatic to be alive. You know, I get off of work at 4.30. That means I get out of there by, like, 6.10 in reality. Um, yeah. McDonald's drive through, <laughs> feed the kid, feed me, get on camera. Can you believe awesome. no, no CO2? No. Oh, really? And I'm like, oh. they're like, you want juice? I'm like, no. Do you want? No. Do you want? <laughs> no. I, I want something carbonated. Thank you. <laughs> Can we get these supply chains moving again? It's been two years. <laughs> Can we please? Yeah, yeah, yeah really. I, I hear you. <laughs> I hear you. Well, as as you may or may not know, uh, I don't know if I briefed you uh, behind the scenes, but we are talking about Silverline titles. What makes them stand out from the typical offerings of uh, the big two? Oh, yeah, and they're, they're much cooler in every single way. Yes, yeah. yes. And, and, and since you just joined us, I'll just pick on you and say, Tell us about Sniper and Rook. Tell us why people should choose Sniper and Rook over some sort of attempted equivalent from the big two. Go. Okay, cool. Um, You know, what I think the reason that I'd say choose Sniper and Rook for me over some sort of action spy thing from, you know, a Marvel or a DC is, one, you're supporting, like, a quote-unquote local creator. Even if I'm not local to you, you're not supporting a corporation uh, that's going to exploit a property turn it into movies, make money off of it, and leave the people who actually create the stuff in a lurch and not really benefiting from it at all. Um, The other thing (laughs) is I'm not writing for anybody but myself and my fans. So, you know, the stories I want to tell 
I'm not going to have an editor saying, I don't like that direction. I want you to do this. And, oh, this is the catchword of these days, or this is, you know, the new thing in society that we have to be all about. Right, right. I want to make it look more like XXX. Yeah. XYZ or whoever. Oh, I, I was like, I was like, you mean like that uh, the the movie with oh, who did that? Who did Triple X? Was that Vin Diesel? Oh, oh, was that Ice Cube? He was in the second one. At first, I okay. thought. Yeah, Vin Diesel, I, no, I, I was thinking more along the lines of. Uh, <laughs> I used to have editors like say, "Can you ink it uh, to look like?" You know. Oh, oh! I see what you're saying. Got yes. it. Yeah. Yes, yeah. got it. Uh, yeah. So you know, wild sniper interrupt because. Um, the characters get to be who they truly are. And of course, they're all fictional characters. You know, we learned about those in Jay and Silent Bob Sark's back. Fictional characters. Uh, yes. <laughs> but they're my fictional characters. And right. when you read Sniper and Rook, it will be consistent. It's not going to be one writer writing it for three months, then off to another job, and then somebody else picks it up, and then they retcon some stuff, and you're like, what the hell is this? Like Gwen mm-hmm. Stacy and what they did with her <laughs> and the Goblin. That's what yeah. we stop reading from the big two. When they had it that Gwen and the Goblin were like knocking boots, I'm like, no way, I'm done. That would turn me off from the picture. Did, did I did I hear retcon or did it was it retcon? Retcon. But okay. I like yours better. But right? I like really retcon because it kind of wrecked everything. Yes, like yeah, retcon too. This was I one too. time so when awesome. the old man with his hearing losing his hearing actually heard something cool. So no, I, I think retcon. I, I love that. Because we get to, we really get to put our heart into it, Um, you know, and especially when I was self-publishing, you know, and I'm paying everything from, you know, anybody who might get a page rate or partial page rate, or if they were doing it for exposure, at the end of the day, I was paying the printing costs and that came out of my household fund. Okay. So that came out of my teaching salary. So I was not going to put crap out there because Mm -hmm. this is my money. That I'm mm-hmm, spending. Mm-hmm, some people mm-hmm. smoke their money away. Some people drink their money away. Some people gamble. It. I print comic books. Okay, there you not go. Bad, yeah, not a bad vice. Um, <laughs> but I'm going to make sure that's a quality product that mm-hmm. I would want to read. I'm not just going to hack something out for a paycheck, like okay. some people do. Not everybody. There's some great talent that works for the big two, but it seems like some of the stuff that I read. Um, and I still pick up a book here or two and look at it on the shelf and put it back down and say, yeah, that's why. Sure. Um, yeah. <laughs> a lot of the stuff is, it, I find it lacking. So. Yeah, I, I would agree. Now, what would you, if, if you were pitching the book to someone at a con and they were saying, well, what is it like? Um, how would you, how would you answer? So that's a great question. Cause when Roland and I were on one of the talks during the Kickstarter, um, I used something I do at shows and it's a little bit dated now, kind of shows my age. And Roland's like, oh, wow, you know, and ask the folks that were on there, do you usually compare it to other media properties? So the way that I say, you know, Sniper and Rook, covert action, uh, covert operative. So if you like anything from James Bond to the X-Files to TV's Burn Notice or Chuck back in the day, like a heart-to-heart and moonlighting, my ASL oh, okay. yep. friends here, um, you know, to uh, just a couple of years ago, lasted one season, one of the my favorite shows of all time, Whiskey Cavalier, um, which had the young lady from Walking Dead, well, Maggie, when she left for a season, then came back. Uh, and if you liked any of those properties, you will find yourself right at home with Sniper Mark. Fantastic cool. pitch. And, and where, can they, where can folks 
Get Sniper and Rook right now. Right now, um, in uh, up on Indie Planet, we have the Silverline edition of number one. We will be adding um, the graphic novels one and two. The Sniper and Rook Collection one has the first story arc, which is the first five issues. Collection two, which I just uploaded to Kablam today for Indie, nice. uh, Indie Planet, has, and it doesn't sound like much, it has a short story from issue seven, has issue eight, nine, and 11. Okay. But one of the other things that our head honcho like is always calling me out on is uh-huh. I like to write 32 page issues, 40 uh-huh. page issues. So issue eight is like 30 or 32 pages. Issue nine was 40 pages and another like 32 for issue 11. So we're talking like 116 interior pages. Over wow. three issues plus a 10 page short story that was originally in issue seven. Um, your your artists love you, John. Your, your some artists of them love do. You. Some of them do. <laughs> on Facebook, and I found that out a year later. I'm like, oh, I'm sad about that. But, you know, uh, but no, I, uh, I, it's really cool, and I love working with different artists all the time and matching artists. And that's the other thing that I think I do intentionally, and if we're going to talk about, you know, why some of the stuff with indies might be better than mm-hmm. what they do, mm-hmm. is... Uh, we publish when it's done and we say it's done. And if, you know, like, so Barb was saying that she would be told by an editor match so-and-so style. Well, when I have an artist that I want to work with and mm-hmm. I know what his or her style looks like, mm-hmm. I'll try to write my uh, a sniper and rook story that matches their style. So it's a synergy of what cool. their strengths are. I'll yeah. write to that. You know, yeah, and it makes for a stronger product that way. Not just an editor saying, I need somebody to kick out 20 pages. Oh, and that's it. Also, because they do, what, 20-page books these days? I give you 40. I give you 40 <laughs> Value. Value Bargain. for their yes. So, yeah, that would be part of it, too. You know, it's, it's intentional. Everything that I do is intentional for long-term entertainment value. Um, my son is 16. I love him to pieces, but I still say Sniper and Rook really are my first kids. And that's, <laughs> nice. that's the way I treat them, you know? Well, I thought nice. you were going to say he has an, inter, uh, an extension span of a nap. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. He has, a, he has a better attention span than I do these days, by far. <laughs> that's a nice pitch. Thank you, John. Thank Appreciate you. that. We're going to move on to Rob Davis. Uh-oh. Uh, no, known for Uh-oh. his... Uh, time with star trek probably to 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 most folks um but t- tell us what uh what you, what you have worked on for silver line what you are working on your your favorite project and why it stands out exceptionally so from from the 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 normal offerings from the big two um so you want me to talk about twilight grim but you also yes. want me to talk about my favorite project which is yes. necessarily twilight grim Correct. Uh, even though it, up until I finished it, it was my favorite project at that point. Obviously, mm-hmm. or I wouldn't have been working mm-hmm. on it. Uh, right. What's Twilight Grim is about essentially a vampire hunter. He does he doesn't necessarily hunt them, but he protects uh, the humans from the vampires. And what's happened is this uh, this. Uh, large city. We don't establish. It's not established where it is or when it is, but uh, I I see it as sometime in the in the not too distant future, where 
vampires truly exist. And there was a battle between the vampires and the humans, and they split the town in half after the battle was over because it came essentially to a draw. So they put a big okay. wall between the two cities. And we okay. start off the story by uh, it, what happens is if you if you break the law on the human side, mm-hmm. they kick your butt out of the, uh, the the human side and you have to go make your way on the vampire side. So there are vampires and uh, human beings on both sides of the wall. So the ones okay. on the vampire side, of course, are in a in a, a dystopian world, essentially. It's a, a post-apocalyptic, whereas the other side is, is uh, you know, like. The, uh, the Emerald City of Oz. It's, you know, it's yeah. spectacular, gl- glows in the dark and all that good stuff. Mm-hmm. So anyway, the character Twilight Grimm is a human character who protects the the weak and the defenseless on the vampire side of the wall. Uh, okay. And it, as the story develops, we find out that the vampires are trying to figure out how to essentially start the war up again and win it against the human beings. And by the end of it, we also find that the human beings are kind of doing the same thing. And the travel to that is, is the interest, interesting thing. And we get little hints about Twilight Grimm himself. Why is, why is he doing this? Uh, uh, what, what motivates him? Uh, it, he's, he seems to almost have a superhuman ability, but he's just a, he's just a plain human being. But, mm-hmm. and, and he's, and he, and he lives up to his name. He is grim at all times. So mm-hmm. what's, diff- what's different about this, this book from what's from the big two is a lot of what I just told you is, is, uh, is not told uh, from that point of view uh, or, or doesn't have that kind of uh, themes behind it. And what I, also, what I like about Silverline is that we're getting back to comics that are fun again. Yes. I I yes. think that's I think that's the basis for everything that we do. It's not none of us is getting rich. We're not doing this to, to like we said earlier to create a a TV show or a movie or what. It'd be nice if we did, but that's not our that's not our reason raison d'être or our <laughs> Uh, we that, we don't have yeah. any corporate overlords who are saying how profitable profitable would this be? Can we do market yeah. research? I didn't mm-hmm. do this for the money. I unfortunately, uh, like some others here, uh, I'm retired. I have a retirement income. I'm doing this for fun now. Me so too. Mm-hmm. The, mm-hmm. the whole thing is is just for the enjoyment of doing it. So, and, and I think that's the, the that's the big that's the big. Uh, uh, thing about silver line yeah now, it really is i agree i agree okay okay uh now and my my favorite project is the one it's just the one i'm working on now or the one i have started uh boston bombers with uh with ron fortier and we're going to self-publish that one but it's uh, uh, my collaboration with him previously on a graphic novel was a book called uh, daughter of dracula where uh, the, the Dracula's daughter meets and falls in love with the Red Baron of World War One, and oh, this story is about their torrid love affair. <laughs> and uh, that sounds that, awesome. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it is. Uh, I have one fan who I think probably is even watching us right now calls it my masterpiece because it was done in black and white, 
and uh, it, I, I used gray tones. And what I tried to do was make it like look, look like an old black and white hammer film from the 50s and early 60s. I wanted it to have that feel to it. So, and, and it was uh, it, it was a project, 108 pages. And at the time, I was still working full time. So I could only do like a couple of pages a week at that. So I, it, it took it took almost two years to complete. But uh, it, it was such an intriguing and, and uh, interesting project that it was that it was it was a blast to do it. And that kind of got me jump started to do all this stuff again. So when mm -hmm. I when I got the chance to retire and actually do this kind of stuff uh, every day, I jumped I jumped at the chance. So oh, yeah. uh, the Boston, Boston Bombers is an extension of a series that Ron did back in the, in the 90s for Caliber. And uh, it's it's a it's an alternate world in which uh, uh, Jesus was a woman <laughs> and uh, the, the Pope, the, the whole Catholic Church is run by women. And the, uh, the, the protagonists of the story are essentially Doc Savage if he were a, a woman. And his crew is, is okay. they're, all, they're right. all women as well. So, and it's, and World War II never happened. So we still have airships. We still have prop planes, no jets, no, nothing of that. It's set in, the, the original book was set in the uh, 1980s or 90s. So, and we're still going to be set in that same time period. So uh, I'm, I'm looking, I've got one page done so far and I've gotten a lot of stuff gotten in the way and I, haven't been able to do more of it, but that's my favorite project at the moment. That's that's exciting. It's, it all sounds good. I'm tell, having tell, a lot of fun. Tell tell the fans where they can get a hold of these these items, the, the completed ones, and then where they'll be able to get the newer ones. Well, the, the completed ones obviously are are are. Uh, we've got issue four of Twilight Grimm should be coming up uh, for Kickstarter, I uh, sometime in the next month or two. Okay. And okay. at that time, at that time, when you when you uh, pledge for the that fourth issue, you can also go back and add on the previous issues. Or if you just want to start sampling Twilight Grimm, you can go to Kablam's IndiePlanet.com, type in uh, Twilight Grimm, and the first three issues should be available through them. Awesome. Um, awesome. So. Now, Daughter of Dracula is available on Amazon. It's also available from IndiePlanet.com, or it's mm -hmm. available for Ron or me at, at comic book conventions, as are, as will the other books be once we start going back to those again. And then awesome. uh, Boston Bombers is probably going to be the same way. It'll probably be available at both Amazon and at IndiePlanet. So we'll see how that goes. We're going to do it as a series of uh, issues, and then we'll collect it in to a graphic novel that sounds great it sounds great fruit bat 36 says, a lot of not fun. not get rich with Silverline. speak for yourself says so uh <laughs> you know nice. you never know yeah uh, uh, er uh, i'm Eric not saying Flint's... that it wouldn't be fun yeah, um, but, saying, uh, but he no, said it, something it would that, be even uh, more fun if we made a lot of money what the heck yeah. <laughs> he said something that that resonated with me and that i i am also retired uh, so I don't do this because I need to to make money. I do it for the love right. of the game. And my penciler, mm -hmm. Alex, uh, asked me, he says, if you could go back right now to DC and Marvel, would you? And I said, if you would have asked me that five years ago, I would have said yes. But I like setting my own deadlines 
and working on something that is mine and that um, I can put my heart and soul into. And, and even though I loved working for DC and Marvel, um, I, and I was, I was known for making deadlines. And so that I would always get stuck with the stuff that, that needed to be caught up. So I was always under the gun and I worked well under the gun, but it is exhausting, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know, and I'm really just enjoying myself. This is so much fun for me. Yeah. As, yeah. And you as, can, you can sleep late if you want to. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm it's, looking, I'm looking forward to this retirement thing. Y'all keep talking about. I'm going yeah. to, go yeah. go if, if you're doing comics as you're living now, forget it. <laughs> nah, I'm in education. Uh, you know, yeah, I, mean, I love what Eric said down there about storyline books are fun. Um, and yes. so I, yes. I forget who said it, you know, that we're not doing this to try to flip the intellectual property to a movie. No. Mm -hmm. However, mm -hmm. I will say Sniper and Rook issue one through five for story arc would be perfect for a movie. <laughs> Just in case anybody's out there listening. Mr. Mm -hmm. Matt Lanter, awesome actor, voice actor for Anakin Skywalker, was in Timeless, mm -hmm. one of my favorite TV shows. I'd love for you to be Sniper. Look back on one of our old Wednesday whams. You were the one that I picked in our uh, our Hollywood cast. Adrian Palicki, oh my God, I love you. I want you to be Rook. If you two could get together, get Hollywood to take us, you know, and, and make a Sniper Nerk movie, it would be fantastic. It would be the pinnacle of your careers, at least for me. <laughs> Ele elevator pitch by John Medic III, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Very nice. Very nice indeed. Uh, Wubba Fett chimes in and says, hello all. Hey, Wubba. How's it going, What's man? Up, Glad you're watching. Um, Eric Flint, Indy Planet just sent me Boston Bombers today. So oh, check cool. this out, Rob. Thank you. Yeah. Thank Isn't that you. awesome? Isn't that fantastic? Yeah. I'm uh, fruit sense. <laughs> yeah. Fruitbat36 says, coloring Wolf Hunter right now. So, yeah, this is, uh, who knows, you, you, you might get rich with Silverline when Wolf Hunter's picked up you as a series. You just never know series. when lightning, lightning is going to strike. I mean, that's true. That's I have true. so many friends who, you know, some of them just lightning struck right away. Some of them uh, toiled away in the industry for 30 years and all of a sudden, bazinga, they're on TV. You know, it's, mm -hmm. it's you just mm -hmm. never know when mm -hmm. that. Property's going to hit. Uh, look at Derek Robertson and the boys. Yeah. You know, yeah. I remember him falling in love with his heart when he uh, took over New Warriors. And then, you know, he uh, he moved on and did bigger things. Um, and actually, now, since we're talking about lightning hitting, um, there is an actor out there named Chad Rook. He's been in a bunch of different properties. Um, awesome actor, nice uh, Canadian, and I love Canada. We know that. Uh, mm -hmm. I worked with a woman at one of the schools. She was in student services. She met him at a convention, became friends, and he was making his own film. And one of the guys was a big comic book fan. And he didn't want to have to deal with Marvel and DC and try to get rights for stuff for posters in the background, reached out to uh, indie people. So she sent me his contact. And there is actually a movie out there where you will see Sniper and Rook as posters. <laughs> Very nice. Fox. Um, you know, all on one wall. I mean, so like they pop up throughout the movie, which is really, really cool. So it's called The Perfect Pickup. A bunch of loser guys who can't pick up women. I personally can identify. Until you know Amy, so yay, she's good. Yeah, uh, yeah, but, you know, uh, but yeah, it, it's a fun film, and it's kind of nice to see my uh, kids on screen. You know, even if it's just in poster form for now, That's you never know cool. when something's going to hit. 
Yeah, yeah I, you I just get never the biggest, know. I get the biggest kick out of uh, Derek because I used to be one of his inkers. And then then I see him walking the red carpet and like. <laughs> so yeah, odd. right. I know. Isn't that weird? It I was kind of odd. Yeah, <laughs> it is. It is. Let's move on to one of the Wizards of Wordplay from our esteemed title, Steam Patriots. Rory Boyle, my friend, um, <laughs> talk to us a little bit about how Steam Patriots is going, why people should uh, pick it up, how it stands out from uh, Marvel and DC Fair, and, and anything else you want to add about Steam Patriots. Go for it. Well, things are going great. We uh working with the artist. We've got about half of the roughs in for the next issue, and awesome. the next half are coming very shortly. And we'll be able to fine-tune it a bit. Uh, Steam Patriots, I think, stands out because it's uniquely American when so many comics, especially in the big two, have gotten away from America as the setting. Now it's just like assumed that it all takes place in America. But when you used to have, you know, the original Superman was the American way. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, additionally while there's always like one or two steampunk things that come out a year you know it's it's still a very niche genre right Mm -hmm. so it's it's a slow slow roll if you're a steampunk fan so we hope to kind of can i give you a little nugget of advice oh yes please take your books to dragon con really okay oh yeah oh yeah that's good advice steampunk Mm -hmm. We'll go, that one huge there. That, it's, it's in Atlanta. Atlanta, uh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, it's a big I'm show. I'm surprised you don't know about that one. It's a huge uh, convention. Yeah, well, Rory's fairly new to the biz as yes. far okay. as a comic okay. book creator. And so learning the landscape of cons is, is like walking through a minefield. Well, you you got to figure out what to big, go to. And, it's also big with sci-fi and fantasy, though. Right, mm-hmm. you know, steampunk, steampunk would would sell like hotcakes. Yeah, it okay. would. It definitely know. would. You you need to go. Yeah, uh, for sure. You might even be able to talk them talk them into letting you have a table. So that would be incredible. You talk. You know, only talk if Dean's my table mate. Oh yeah, man. Go. We'll do it. Let's make it. Let's let's make it a journey. So tell okay. us a little bit about some of the historical connections within Steam Patriots. Oh man. So apart from staying as true to history as is possible as the more research we did the more weird stuff we found when you because we, t- we it's gonna be like a like a low sci-fi kind of atmosphere mm-hmm. low tech mm-hmm. we're, we're building the, the 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 birth of steampunk because it's always you know victorian england we're, we're taking it back further mm-hmm. and all of these uh contraptions we're using were based on or very nearly close to real things like you always think when you think of like a Gatlin gun, you think of the Civil War. There was a, the patent for the Gatlin gun was in the 1770s. They were just too expensive really? to manufacture. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. the technology existed, mm-hmm. just wasn't in wide use. So we're just kind of helping that along a little. Or nice. there's uh what was what was there's an electric contraption called a, a Holden jar or something like that, but it but it, it harnessed electricity in the air. So these ideas were floating around back then. So if as far fetched as it might seem in a moment, it is still grounded in historical fact. Mm-hmm. So, okay. and, and is it fair to is it fair to say, Roy, that your expertise, uh, being a military veteran, you know, you add a little bit of authenticity and uh, dare I say, gravitas to some <laughs> of the military 
storytelling a little bit because you and Scott both are vets. Am yep, I correct? We, were, we were stationed together, and that's where we when we should have been working, we were probably coming up with this idea. <laughs> and if it, if it was true to military fashion, there wouldn't be enough page page space to, for all the complaining going on. <laughs> right. Well, it's, it's a, a, lot, a lot of expletives on there. I don't know. Uh-huh, <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. A lot of... A lot of yeah. <laughs> um, so where can people find Steam Patriots 1? I know... Can, uh, yes, you can find us on Indie Planet. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I, don't have the metrics, but I know more than a handful have sold. Yes. Actually, yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. I bumped into my film and literature professor on campus uh, earlier this week and he, he mm-hmm. shouted me down. He goes, Hey, I read Steam Patriots. I loved it. And oh, I'm changing yeah. my course. It's no longer film and literature. It is now film and visual medium because he wanted to incorporate comics and graphic novels. And he, he'll be yeah. highlighting. Oh, yeah. yes. Real. You've reeled yep. in another one. All right. <laughs> awesome. Now I got to convince him to make his students buy it for every semester. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. Put it on the list. This is a textbook. Right? Yeah, it's yes. a textbook now. Uh, part of the syllabus. Well, that sets more motivation for you guys to get two, three, and four done, yes. so it can be oh, collected. We are motivated. And a little, little teaser. We're we're scooting along just fine with that, but I'm also turning my attention to some world building too. So there'll be more than two and three coming out. Oh, good. Very good. Good to hear. Good to hear. Okay, so that brings it to uh, me, uh, your host. Uh, aside from hosting this, um, I also uh, write and illustrate for Silverline. I'm currently working on Silver Blade, uh, which quickly can be described as uh, set again in the steampunk era of Victorian London uh, with two secret societies at war, an order of noble knights and a cult of human traffickers, really bad guys. And what happens is um, a young, beautiful archaeologist and a former U.S. cavalry man meet and discover this order and become swept up into the battle to save the kids and also to unravel and destroy this cult. Um, and, I, you know, much like Aaron, our superior skeptic, I also am a big fan of philosophy and deeper messages while the fireworks are going on, I kind of like having uh, two-tiered simultaneous entertainment going on, you know, the more cerebral along with the fireworks show. So yeah. <clears throat> along with uh, lots of sword fights and shootouts and fist fights and monsters, uh, you're also going to be um, challenged a little bit. Uh, in fact, even from the first page, uh, one of the pieces of dialogue <clears throat> proposes the, the, the question, why do bad things happen to good people? And if God is so good, why is there so much evil in the world? Okay, so I'm going to get into... Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get... Wow. I'm going to get into some deeper <laughs> He's just stuff. Like... <laughs> some deeper stuff just to, just to sort of challenge the reader a little bit. I'm not going to sit here and say I've got all the answers, but I'm going to say I like to propose the questions to get people thinking and to grow the characters as they discover things along Those the way. Those are the way. big ones. Those yeah. are the big questions. And um, I want to have fun with it at the same time um, and not get too serious and keep it more along the lines uh, of the, you know, the PG-13 Star Wars tone, which is basically what, what we all do, where there's epic good and evil, and then there's internal struggles between the characters themselves. Uh, as a bonus, 
I'm going to address a pop culture and genre question that a lot of people have had. I know I've had it my whole life. Why does silver defeat evil creatures? Um, there's all sorts of different, you know, generic explanations, but I'm going to go a little bit deeper and actually in the book, answer the question in a way that I don't think it's ever been addressed before. Uh, hence the name of the book, Silver Blade. So people are going to find out why silver repels, kills things like vampires, werewolves, and, and other monsters. And, uh, what the reasoning is behind that. So I'm tackling a lot of different things, mainly because I just think it's cool. Um, and I hope other people have as much fun with it, uh, reading it as I have creating it. So, uh, and if any of you guys have any questions about it, you know, throw some at me. Uh, I don't want to just ramble. Why um, does silver <laughs> defeat all of them? <laughs> <laughs> well, you'll have to wait till issue four to find yeah, that out. Why, right? why do you find out? Well, again, True believers. Tune in next week. Yeah, really. Um, But uh, again, I want to reiterate, uh, some of you guys have touched on the fact of why Silverline shines and stands above uh, the big two. And and really, you know, uh, Barb put it so poignantly when she said, you know, I've been asked, would you work for Marvel in DC if you were asked? And again, much like Barb's answer, a few years ago, I probably would have said yes. Now, uh, no, because I really love the freedom um, and not having corporate slash editorial overlords controlling the content. Um, and quite frankly, uh, we can do better. We, we can. Um, I, there was a time... Yeah, yeah. when. When those those companies are putting out stuff, oh, I can't wait for this, I can't wait for that, and this is so cool, and that's so cool. And for some reason, over the last five years, maybe seven years, it's just lost the appeal for me. Not that they're all terrible or anything, just to my taste, it's just not as compelling as what you guys are doing for, for Silverline. And I want, I want everybody to share in that excitement. You know, we want to be... Uh, we want to be that fun publisher that people can go for a respite from the heavy reality-based messaging or uh, just the, the things that, we, that we've seen a million times. And we, we want to see something a little bit different. The a little crisis bit different. of the week, you know, the, the, yeah. the industry-wide, sure. you know, the, the company-wide crossover that has to happen every year. Do we have to do that? At, you know, uh, Silver Lines is not. I I hope Silver. Well, maybe. Well, I, I, I'm kind of working on one, Rob. I've been working on Are one you? for a, a while now with some of uh, what I call the Silver Line Central characters. Some of them from the '90s. Uh, I've been working okay. on it for a while. Well, there. Was I don't want to tell you how long, long but you know what? It's not a yearly like thing, that. and it's not like it, it. It was a project that I started before Roland even launched Silverline 3.0, where I kind of said. Hey, please, 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 please. Hey, what are the characters I love? Please, 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 please. He's like, okay. Well, hey, if, if, it's, if it's a one-off, well-planned, and it's not just a money grab, it could be really interesting. You have no especially idea given, Especially the, given uh, some of the characters that are that are in Silverline. That the interplay might be really, really interesting. So, yep. yeah. And, and Sniper and Rook are in there. So, that's what was tying it all together um, in my mind because I was a Silverline 1.0 fan. Um, when I created Sniper and Rook, they were always 
in my mind, inhabiting the same universe as the original Cat and Mouse and Demon and Champion and Tempest and Silver Dollar. And Tempest and Silver Dollar, I finally got to write for the Christmas special that we had in Kickstarter. Um, So it's like I I wrote them a while ago, hasn't seen print, you know, for the crossover. uh, And it's going to set some stuff up that the original Silverline 1.0 people planned on doing back in 1988 that never materialized. Uh, but yeah, you know, everything is such a deep cut in my mind because Roland says, oh, John, you know, wh- when did this happen? And I'm like, oh, that book, that page, that panel, you know, it's, it's all up here. Can't remember where I put my shoes in the morning, but you know, <laughs> I, I've got the important stuff up here. And, yes. and, you know, so everything is so in continuity and it ties back and it's all properly created. And it's not in kind of talking, going back to the Marvel in D.C., what I've seen, you know, over the last 20, 30 years, you get a new writer who comes on and they kind of just discard what happened came, you know, before. Mm-hmm. Like, I want to tell my Spider-Man story. Yep. Heck be darn what was done before. And I'm going to do that. And, you know, I want to do my Batman. And, you know, and it's like, Batisto, <laughs> wipe the slate clean. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. And like, I, like I mentioned earlier, uh, they have to keep coming up with with more bizarre and outlandish stories to top the previous one. Right. And they're mm-hmm. getting to the point yeah. now where, I mean, I, I can't think where they're going to go next. I've been, I've been following the Avengers story and it's impossible foes that can destroy the entire universe. And it's five guys are going to save, you know. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, yeah. Is it, is it like, can we talk about the new Spider-Man movie yet, or is that still like under a spoiler alert? No, it should be. Oh, no, we can talk. I we can talk seen. about it. Yeah. I haven't seen I've it, seen but it. you could talk about okay. it. So you know, you talk about it. I have a problem right? with it. With the comics, you know, they have to keep upping it. What's the bigger, bigger, bigger threat? To some point where you're like, okay, now what? The mm-hmm. probably my favorite part of that movie, and there are lots of part of that movie I loved. Um, there are parts I liked, but the very ending where they did the exact opposite of what Barb said, which was, I think the best thing they could have done is they returned him to quote unquote, the real Spider-Man with a suit that he made at home on his own. He's no more like Iron Man junior. And what we win at the end is more akin to the Spider-Man that we all grew up knowing and loving. Yeah, that's the rare time that they didn't go crazy like Barb said. They went the opposite direction, and it was so mm-hmm. refreshing to see. Mm-hmm. Well, that's that's what I'm noticing as well. And, reset and, button. Yes, ma'am. Yes, and what's so wonderful about stories that are about characters and personal struggles that is stronger in many ways because how many times can the world hang in the balance and it be watchable and believable i mean come on they even did it with the most uh, you're all gonna say it so i'm I'm just gonna go ahead and roll with this you had to bring up james bond right so you knew it right so but 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 the but the latest bond movie even the latest bond movie went personal turned it into a family story turned it into you know his risk was not just saving the world. It was a personal risk. It was mm-hmm. a personal thing. Mm-hmm. So 
it, it's, it's a big lesson that you can only beat a dead horse so long before it gets just boring, guys. You know, and, let's and go back to what makes it doesn't look these like a individuals. Horse this, no. is, this is the, the, the pit that Supernatural fell into. I watched yes. 15 seasons of, of Supernatural, That's and it started bit. out with with Monster of the Week stories, mm-hmm. which were fun and hilarious, and they could have gone yeah, on forever fun. with those mm-hmm. because there's so many myths and legends throughout the entire world that they could have talked about, tapped on. Mm-hmm. But they started these the storyline where you know they had to over, overcome the devil, and then it More was a mythology like, type at that point, yeah. as opposed to Monster of the Week, right? Mm-hmm. And then it was then it was in the entirety of hell and then it was the entirety of heaven and they kept building these every storyline had to be bigger than the last so by the time you get to season 15 they are having to take out god you know why didn't they have a good long run why didn't they back off on some of that wrap up you know one of the major storylines x files x files with the same way it seems yeah. to be that yeah. they started out kind of the monster of the week type of thing and then he started getting into the ufo bit and it, and it just they, they went down a rabbit hole way too and far. that yeah that's what supernatural so, did they had the every yeah, bad big bad was bigger and badder than the last one until they mm-hmm. basically came to an end i mean they what, couldn't go any farther one of these years i'm gonna binge i've not watched any of the supernatural uh really jensen, jensen ackles is the reason i have not watched it because mm-hmm. watch it, it for jared padalecki he's, he's he's a great actor they <laughs> both are don't get me wrong um he's such a great actor that when he was in smallville and he played a jerk character. I hated that character so much. I didn't want to watch the actor because I'm like, ooh, I don't like you. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Both, both names, uh, Jared and uh, Jensen, have an insane uh, chemistry. That's so cool. On, yeah, yeah on, they do. They just they just knock it out of the park. It, it's basically it's uh, Jared's story, but if you can have a second protagonist, then. Yeah, Jensen is uh, the second protagonist on that. Very nice. What I th- what I think that would have extended that um, that series a lot longer, um, and maybe made it more pleasing to the initial fans. Because I checked out after season five because of where it was going. I could see where it was going, really and I think the or- yeah the original creator had sold it off for lots and lots of money and so a new creative team a new a new show leader uh you know comes in and and showrunner excuse me and takes it you know the locomotive somewhere else and it's like okay i get what you guys are doing escalating with everything but you lost a lot of your original fans imagine if they had spent that money instead of escalating the 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 risk and, and building all these worlds just instead of doing American myths and legends, travel the world and do exactly, world myths and legends. Exactly. I mean, that that's what you do, you know, that, that go to Asia, go to Africa, go to, go to, you know, go to Russia, go to Northern Europe, go to Southern Europe. I mean, there's Ooh, so Baba much. And they, and just, they, <laughs> yeah. just kept, they just kept rolling with this angel storyline and it was, it was done by season. That's angel storyline should have been stopped at season seven and kill off mm-hmm. all the angels and then go off to Europe. Sure, go to Europe. Let's go. Let's all go to Europe, guys. We're gonna do a show in Europe the final countdown going through my head. Thank you, Mr. Welch. Go, 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 go to Great Britain and and East and Western Europe and do the Druids. Oh yeah, sure. There was just yeah, Druids. Innumerable, innumerable storylines. 
And <laughs> yeah, sticking with and the damn start, angels. Start delving into that. Yeah, that could have been written. Yeah. Could have been very been really cool. Interesting. Yeah. 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 So there's an example uh, of, you know, stick to what, you know, stick with the dancer that brought you to the, to the <laughs> dance, you know, I mean, yep. our fan, the fan base was with them. Those first three to five seasons, that original fan base. And then people I started talking to were like, ah, I can't deal with it anymore. Too much with the angel soap opera. I was like, yeah, yeah they should have killed I feel you. Yell off a long time ago. <laughs> <All> right. <laughs> he was he just got, as hell. Uh, I got old. Okay. So now that we, we've, we've segued into pop culture, uh, we're, we're in that ditch now. We're just rolling along. So we might as well talk about what we had planned to talk about, which was Marvel movies versus DC movies. And I want to set the table first and say, you know, we can talk about the metrics used to measure their success. Um, we can talk about box office or we can just talk about our personal taste and what resonates with us, it's up to you guys. There's, there's no hard and fast rules to this. Uh, Barb and I talked a little bit before the show about it, and uh, I felt she made a good point. And being the accounting person for Silver Lines, this is a good way to look at it. Return on investment is a really good metric because, say, if you put so much money into a stock, for example, and it yields a thousand percent, you're going to be running around the rooftops crowing about that stock, right? Uh, if you'd invested in Amazon in 1997, uh, you'd be on an island right now with Peter Jackson and Elon Musk and just hanging out. So point being, oh, return I'd on find in- better people. <laughs> yeah, well, probably so. Um, I could too. So uh, if we're talking just pure return on investment, I'll just throw out some of the titles and, and this, this should get the uh, discussion rolling here. Um the biggest return on investment with uh, comic book genre film, believe it or not, is DC's Joker movie, which cost the production budget was $55 million, and it made a billion dollars worldwide. So you look at that and you go, okay, just ROI, you know, personal taste aside, just investing the money and, and getting a big return. Uh, that tells you that, that right there, character studies rather than snapping your fingers and the world disappears kind of stuff. You know, yeah, fireworks are great, but, you know, good writing and good character studies are great, too. Um, Along the lines of more comedy, in this case, raunchy comedy, uh, Marvel's Deadpool uh, cost $58 million to make, and it made $800 million worldwide. So, again, quirkiness can sometimes send it over the top. the third one really stunned me, Venom, of all things. Uh, $116 million to make. It made way over $800 million for Marvel. Uh, sadly, the only DC movie in the group is Aquaman, which cost $160 million and made $1.1 billion. Billion. Okay. Well, Jason Momoa. <laughs> yeah, that, there you go. You know? So the, the beefcake aspect from, from Barb's uh, point of view there. But here we go. So Avengers Endgame and Infinity War are the predictable champs worldwide, uh, bringing in, like, I don't know, just crazy, like, $5 you know, billion worldwide. And they each cost uh, – Infinity War was three hundred million, and, and Endgame yeah, so the was ROI million. on that. Even though they yeah. made more, yeah. Uh, yeah, worldwide, the ROI on that was less. Yeah, because they, they, the the investment was so much. Uh, same same thing with Avengers: Black Panther. So all all that being said, I, just like you guys take, you know, 
pick one of, uh, of the genre films from the big two adaptations and talk a little bit about uh, either your connection, whether it was positive or negative, and uh, why you think maybe the, the studio should do more like this or do less like this. And I'm going to start with Barb. Go. Well, I'm going to uh, talk about Disney a little bit. Okay, go for it. And they have both the Marvel and the Star Wars franchise. Correct. Yeah. Uh, we all go to see these movies, uh, as I call it, butts in the seat. Uh, <laughs> in the theaters. Yeah. And it makes a massive return on, on some of these movies, especially Star Wars and uh, and uh, the Marvel movies, Avengers-related uh, mm-hmm. movies. Yeah. Um, but that's only a partial uh, view of what Disney is actually making on these products because then they take it to Disney Plus, their streaming services, and their streaming services bring in millions maybe billions of dollars so you're not only getting it up front in the movie side of it but then you're turning around and and bringing in money from the streaming side of it too and i would like to see the metrics of uh worldwide movie uh ticket sales and then see the metrics for the streaming services Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so what about you personally though yeah it is but just connecting with you as as the woman here in the group, like which studio connects with you more and which what content Marvel. would you like to see more of? Okay. Marvel, Marvel connects with me more. And this is why. The they, all have, they all have good looking beefcake, which yay. <laughs> yeah. I, okay. I'm all over that. Uh I hear you. Like white on rice. Um <laughs> however, I I not only do not like the dark atmosphere of DC movies, because I mean, let's face it. I just turned 63 a couple of days ago and my eyes aren't as good as they used to be. And so I'm always squinting, like turn up the light. (laughs) Like the old woman that I am, I can't see what's going on. I'm with you. Somebody once told me that they they do that because it's, it's cheaper on the CGI. They don't have to fill in as many details. Yeah. It hides the scenes and CGI. Yeah. But it's irritating as hell. And the other thing is that I am a kind of an old-fashioned girl where I would like a happy ending. I didn't get it in Endgame. But um, the Marvel movies seem a little bit more upbeat. Uh-huh. than the, the DC movies are so grim uh-huh. and dark. Twilight Grim, maybe? Yeah, and, and <laughs> did I mention dark? <laughs> Turn up the lights! So, so you'd say go brighter. Um, if DC wanted to capture your demographic, go go a little brighter. Uh, stick with the uh, the beefcake like they have with Jason Momoa, well, and yeah. maybe go a little lighter in tone. Because didn't you think Aquaman sort of adopted a little bit more of the Marvel approach? Yes, yes. I I really liked Aquaman. It was brighter. Uh, I thought Jason Momoa knocked it out of the park as, as um, a non-blonde mm-hmm. uh, Aquaman, yeah. uh, getting mm-hmm. away from the blonde Aryan type of look that's so sure. popular with comics, and actually sure. going more native, which I mm-hmm. thought was fantastic. Well, that's um, it's more appropriate, definitely. I thought yeah, so. For the character, much well, more appropriate. Absolutely, mm-hmm. I thought so. Um, and 
I'm not opposed to the throwing in the, the, the good looking gals too. I mean, my, I, I have husband, right? So we go to these movies and he goes to look at the cheesecake and I go to look at the beef cake. And there you go. Happy. Everybody's happy. Everybody's happy. happy. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's like, that's why I'm, male, Lee, I'm there. That's <laughs> why I have a male and female lead in my comic books. So yeah. you get something for everybody. Yeah. Um, yeah. Rob, Lost what about Gal you? Gadot. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Um, Rob, what, I have not seen very many of the DC films okay. because, uh, because of what Barb's talking about. And I see how dark it is in the trailers. And I go, I don't want to, I have no interest in seeing this. I haven't seen, I, I'm, I'm going to have to see Aquaman now. You should. I, I think you'll been. like it. And I, the Wonder Woman yeah, movies. I, they're, they're, they're fantastic. I, I saw the first Wonder Woman movie. And I loved it. Mm-hmm. Good. Mm-hmm. It was. Yeah, I did too. It was. It was a perfect film. Yes. And everything I've heard about the second one makes me go, "Oh, I, I, I hate for that, for that great taste in my mouth from the first one to get ruined by the second one." So I'm reluctant to go see it or to rent or purchase it. No, we so, we just yeah. came back from the theater yesterday. We we went to see a Death on the Nile. We go every Tuesday to the old people. <laughs> matinees. Hey, you, yeah, when you become a senior citizen, grab that, yeah. that senior citizen down, discount and run with it. We we go yes. to the afternoon matinees on Tuesday, so it's five bucks. Um, but yeah, the trailers, and they had a long, long trailer for the upcoming Batman movie. And again, mm. I was like, what? What's going What's on? going on? What's happening? Yeah. What's happening in this yeah. scene? It's, <laughs> it's, it's so it's, dark. You can, you can yeah. see some shadows, and that's it. You know, yeah. it was yeah, so like, like the fight scenes in the first Batman film with uh, Christian Bale and the fight scenes, the camera is moving. It's everything is blurred. You can't you can't see what's going on. I mean, the, mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. their whole idea was to make it look like it was, you know, yeah, it was really a, a yeah. and, 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 and I'm going, oh, through. I got seasick. Movies went through a phase with that for a while where they were they were doing yeah. a jittery camera. Um, kind of started mm-hmm. with the Blair Witch Project, kind of. That's when it, I yeah, think yeah, it hit mainstream. Yeah, it was, it was, yeah, but I didn't care for that. Nope. So nope. It, it, uh, riffing on what Barb said about dark. Okay. The the original Superman with Christopher Reed. What color was his costume? Bright blue. It was a bright blue. Yeah. What about? What about the the ones that came within the last few years? Dark. What color is Superman's costume? Yeah, it's, it's like a dark. dark. It's a dark. It's dirty, dark, blackish blue. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, there's no mm-hmm. there's no joy in his costume. There's mm-hmm. no, and there was no. And from what I could see from from the trailers, no joy in in being Superman. I mean, mm-hmm. this guy who could could jump up and fly, he should be mm-hmm. just. You know, you know, there should be some joy in that, and I didn't see that in the movie at all. So, or in the trailers for it. So, but I, I, I did. I loved Wonder Woman because it, number one, it had a good story to tell, and it had Gal a uplifting story to tell, and <laughs> and it, it was nice that there was a little cheesecake too. Mm-hmm, I, mm-hmm. You know, there's there was that was the. The cherry on top of the whipped cream. Yeah. So, Although yeah. I saw yeah, some was... nasty comments online, like she needs bigger boobs. Like, oh come on! She's no, fine. come on! Yeah, no. she was fine. Yeah, there, she is. She's beautiful. No, 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 no. Uh, it's, no, she's great. 
That's just nuts anyway. Yeah, then, then, just... then you'll love Not everybody the comic books from the 1990s. Go buy some of those. They all had yeah. broken backs <laughs> and big boots. Uh, just crazy oh, stuff. Yeah, yeah. But, so what yeah, would you tell you the like studios? That, what would you tell the studios, Rob? Uh, you know, uh, do more like Wonder Woman. Number one, I tell a good story. Mm-hmm. That should mm-hmm. be number one. Get, mm-hmm. get a good story and tell it well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and number two is there, there should be something uplifting about the story. My favorite Marvel film is it probably isn't on that ROI list. It's Captain America First Avenger. Here's this, here's this scrawny kid who wants to go over and fight the Nazis who, uh, you know, who, who gets, who gets his wish. I mean, there's some, some bad stuff that happens as well. But he he wins against the bad guys. He, mm-hmm. he so there's a really uplifting story there. So mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. he gets a punch. Tell hit something. Yeah, yeah, he did get the punch hit. Maybe look like that. He, he got to fight like the that. Nazis. Yeah. It's awesome. I love it. Yeah, yeah. It was all about that that finger poke that Stanley Tucci did. You know, on his yeah. chest, you know, yeah. this, yeah. this, be, be this guy. Don't let, don't let that, uh, don't let that ever change. And it did. Right. Yeah. So he remained that, the boy scout. Yeah. I, yeah. That's, that's what I want to see. I want to see well-told stories. Uh, it, it shot beautifully if possible and not so damn dark. Good call. Uh, tell, good call. Just tell a good story. Tell yeah. a good yeah. story. That comes good, first. Good. Good call. Good call. We're going to move over to um, uh, John. Oh, thank God. I'm like sitting here like I'm getting close. <laughs> I can tell. You're about to jump and, and out please, of the screen. Please, nobody take my answer. Um, <laughs> on his hands. You know, but agreeing with Barb and Rob both, um, the DC films are too dark for me. Now, as we're talking Batman, because I was afraid Rob was going to go there and like, oh, with our Batman film, I'm like, no, don't go to Keaton. Uh, and uh, even, thank God. So, you no, know, when. No, no, but, no, no, no. But the Michael Keaton Batman, when he was fighting Joker and they were like in the bell tower, there yep. was wood, there was bell, there was metal, and it was a clear fight scene you could see. Yep. Now, Ben Affleck, I love Ben Affleck as an actor, and then he got really popular. I dislike Ben Affleck. Uh, but then, you know, when they brought him back as Batman, he looked the part. I think he could have sure. done a great job. Mm-hmm. And yeah. um, the scene in Batman versus Superman where, you know, he smashes through and he's pulling people through the uh, the floor and, it, like, the wood, it kind of reminded me of the Keaton thing. But mm-hmm. you couldn't see any of the action, exactly what both of you were saying. It was too dark to make out anything. Had the It had the potential to be the best filmed Batman action sequence that I've seen, mm-hmm. but it was too muddied and muddled and I couldn't do anything with it. Um, between the two studios, it is Marvel hands down. And yeah. it really kind of goes back to uh, what connects to me is they're making movies the way I write comic books mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. they are, you know, I, Sniper and Rook, you guys hear me talk about Sniper and Rook all the time, but if I said Jack and Rebecca, people would go, who? I find myself writing Jack, Barton, Rebecca, Paige way more than Sniper and Rook. They're out of uniform more than they're in uniform. They're characters, but they're people. You know, you connect with them. My favorite MCU movie by far is absolutely Captain America Winter Soldier. 
So, Rob, when you said Captain America, I'm like, no. And then you said First Avenger, I'm like, yes, I got to keep mine. Um, <laughs> there well, that's there. a good movie. That's a good movie, too. Yeah. Okay. It's, yeah. It's a, it, yeah. The mall scene when Natasha and Steve are walking and, you know, she turns and kisses them. And, like, is that your first kiss, like, since 1940? You know? And, I mean, it's just the banter and the playfulness and, and the characters. Oh, I'm old on that 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 (laughs) made that. And so, Rob, you said start with a good story. I Mm -hmm. love that. That probably would be my second answer. My first answer would be start with characters people will care about and then Mm -hmm. put them into a great story, and you're going to be golden. Um, On the DC side, you know, Gal Gadot, people, you know, multiple people have said that. I honestly think she is probably one of the most beautiful women that has ever walked the face of this earth. And she's talented and she's smart. Um, She is. And she can literally kick ass. Oh, yeah. I mean, she's in the Israeli Israeli army. She can kick ass. She's the real deal. Um, She's the real deal. Okay, Barb, give you some beefcake here. Henry Cavill, he is gorgeous. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Um, (laughs) And I say that's a straight man. But I mean, seriously, you know, Chris Evans, gorgeous. Henry Cavill, gorgeous. Um, But you know what? I didn't care about that Clark Kent. There was nothing that made me care about that character. Mm. And and I'll throw throw this one and I'll shut up. Um, When we had Captain America Winter Soldier... And he met the Falcon for the first time as he's lapping him running on your lap. On your lap. On your lap. When we went and saw Avengers Endgame, how many of you saw it in the theater? And when the portal opened and you heard on your left. Yeah, everybody goes, yeah. Yeah. Every theater blew up because people cared. It wasn't, you know, a, a, a blast. It was one character to another who met as civilians and mm-hmm. me, the characterization and caring about them as people. Two soldiers who met. And then they Two, never reached out with that yeah. with Black Widow too, because you, you met her whole family. You know, I yeah. they do it yep. consistently and they do it well. Yep. Yeah, I like that film Good call. too. I like that film so too. Another vote for Marvel. Now I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna go to, to Aaron because I know I know Aaron's gonna take us down a different route. Perhaps, so yeah. go for it, man. Well, I mean, I don't. <laughs> you really want me to? Talk about this <laughs> yes, again. Yes, I feel like I've talked about this like so much. You have. Right here. Sorry. Um, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I just I like the DC movies. I don't like the Marvel movies. There. Yeah. That, see, wow. That's it. Simple, straightforward. <laughs> boom. That's what, that's okay, what, Rory, talk okay. to us, man. Baseball what, games. What's your feeling on? <laughs> so in my heart of hearts, I am. I yeah. am torn. I'm very torn because all the nostalgia of the early DC Batmans, every remake, you know, even Val Kilmer, Keaton, Clooney, I, like all, Val. I thought they were all fantastic in their own right. And it was mm-hmm. it explored different Batmen, you know, different mm-hmm. parts of their personality. And it's been so thorough with the same character, the same world, while Marvel sure. has this immediately much, much broader world, faster production, a higher production value, and they just took off. And we'll say Marvel salvaged themselves with like Thor Ragnarok, because after Dark World, everyone was like, eh, I don't know about this. But they kept going. They salvaged it. And X-Men, I think, did the same thing. They kept going, and there was you know like an opposite bell curve of, of popularity. So being the contrarian by nature, I will 
I will have to say DC Batman because that's what I grew up on. Growing up, there weren't the Marvel movies yet. Yep, yep. Fair enough. I hear you. Um, in future episodes, one of the discussions I want to have. So just to tease what we're going to talk about pop culture in the future and uh, possibly even next week is if some of you have seen um, what can be done with the deep fake AI technology. In other words, taking an older actor, I'm not going to give away any names for those who may or may not have seen some of the more recent ones, but even Ant-Man did. So I know everybody's seen Ant-Man. So uh, when you take an older actor in their 70s and you can literally allow them to perform and with, with a younger actor doing the physical moves and so on, but the face is projected onto the younger actor and the features are so similar that the character uh, integrity is retained. I'm telling you guys something. I think we're, we just crossed a threshold with AI deep fake uh, based yeah. on what I just saw in Book of Boba Fett episode six. It's just yeah. insane good that you could literally do whoever, if, if, the, if the actor is still alive and willing to work, with uh, the CG folks in the studio, you could do amazing things. And, and where I'm going with this, because you brought up Batman being your favorite character as, as he is mine as well, Rory. And that is, I think Keaton is going to make a huge splash in his yeah. appearance in the upcoming Flash movie coming out so. in the fall. And I think people are going to start putting that together with AI deep faking going, wait a second, wait a second. Have you seen Michael photos Keaton. of that? Leaked photos? Uh, yeah. I mm-hmm. have. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's astonishing. So it's, uh, it really is. It's amazing. But uh, that's just a tease. Um, I want to wrap up here and thank everyone for joining us tonight, making it a fantastic show. All you guys were top form, top of your game. Um, again, I want to thank our sponsor, Daytona Beach Comic Convention. Go to Indie Planet, everybody. Pick up these books. Um, that's where you can read get them. Silverline. You, can, you know, we've got to. We've got to break through, man. We want to be everyone's favorite indie publisher and then go beyond that and be everyone's favorite publisher. And so with that, I'm going to say good night. And until next time, what do we say, kids? Make, Make mine silver line. I'm Alex Savio, and I just want to let you know, Make Mine silver line. Thank you for listening to the Silverline Podcast. I hope you enjoyed the episode. We know we ramble sometimes, but we have fun. And after all, isn't that what comics are all about? We hope you'll follow us on all our social media. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, Twitch, LinkedIn, Reddit, MeWe, Gab, and whatever new thing pops up between now and the time you listen to us. Please like, follow, share, and remember, make mine Silverline.